0: All of these lines across my face Tell you the story of who I am So many stories of where I've been And how I got to where I am But these stories don't mean anything When you've got no I
1: was made for you. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. We normally don't do a show this early in the morning. Uh, This is not a glass of wine. Uh, It's grape juice. But I am raising a glass to this incredible artist who I'm going to celebrate today. Uh, This summer, Lenny Watts asked me if I would mind being a judge at Mama's Next Big Act. And uh, and I said, yes, immediately. Uh, I love what Lenny Watts does. And anytime he says, will you be there, I'll be there. Uh, so I was glad to be there. And the evening was beyond, beyond incredible. Every single artist on that stage was a winner. However, as the title implies, only one person will make it to the Winner's circle. And in addition uh, to being there, uh, I also offered to give the winner uh, a chance to be celebrated on this show. And she said yes, and she's here today, already drinking her morning coffee. She should be on. I am so glad you're here. And I always begin my shows by asking my guest, who or what have you celebrated today? And it's early in the day.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard. I'm so excited to be here. Um, oh my goodness, who who am I going to celebrate today? Um, I'm going to celebrate my mom today. She has always encouraged me and my siblings to go after our dreams. She's our biggest fan, and somehow not a stage mom, but she's always there. Um, supporting us and and seeing us through and i remember she called my cousin who came to the finale because she had to know if i won or not and so i just want to celebrate (laughs) her continuous love and support of this crazy dream of mine Well, you were among incredible company, and I'm sure
1: that you have forged friendships with some of the people that you were part of that evening. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, I was really surprised at how this cohort of the competition, we we sort of hit it off instantly. We bonded over our, um, our backgrounds, over our nerves before every performance. It, the sound checks became sort of a cheering stance where we would all cheer each other on. Um, but there are two individuals that I've continued creating music with, and that's Avery Nisbaum and Gloria Bangiola and we've started a, a little trio called Gal oh, wow. um, and we're we're working on um, some songs to maybe do a cabaret of of our own as a group. So, um, oh, I've just lost my ring light. Um, uh, it didn't so, change a
1: bit. You look great.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> there she goes. Okay. So, yeah. I And and other than that, I still keep in regular touch with most of the people from the top 10. I mean, John is still a, a dear friend. Camille and I are coming to your show. Which we is
1: are sold time. out. I'm telling you, wear red. Anyone who's watching is coming tomorrow night, wear red. Yes. you already got some red on.
0: Oh, yes. I'm I'm preparing. I'm so excited <laughs> to see you I, I'm
1: thrilled that you're going to be there. Uh, we had a, a great tech rehearsal yesterday and everything went well.
0: Good. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. So um, we're
1: going to uh, de- uh, delve deeper into your center and uh, how you came up with the show in just a moment. But one of the fun things that I like to do, hopefully it's fun for you too, mm-hmm. is I lay out some mystery cards. I don't know what. The questions hold uh, just to get us off on a fun start. And I've laid out six cards today. So pull a number one through six.
0: Uh, Let's go with six.
1: And here it is. And it says, what's the best hotel that you've ever stayed in and why? That's a good question.
0: Okay. So when I was on tour many, many moons ago with the Nickelodeon show, when we went to LA, we got to stay at the Standard, which was in downtown LA and it was one of the most stunning hotels I've ever stayed in. They were so kind. They treated us like rock stars. You know, we were doing a, a show for kids. So it was kind of neat to be treated like um, like we were uh, just these famous people coming in to do this show for kids. Um, but yeah, it was gorgeous. And I remember the bathroom in particular was um just so beautiful I still have dreams about having a bathroom like that someday
1: <laughs> well one of my favorite phrases in the world is room service and I love being on the road I, do you like being on the road
0: I did I liked it although now it's I find as I get older it's harder for me to leave my fur kids
1: yeah but I, I do
0: I do enjoy it yeah.
1: Well, uh, I mean, luckily for us, I I live in the country and we have a tenant. And when we go away, he comes down and he takes care of our pets here so they don't have to leave our home. So I love that. Um, I also uh, asked for a photograph of you at five years of age. Mm -hmm. And the reason I asked for that, to me, I think the five-year-old self is the purest self. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's you before the world begins to tell you who you are. Who you should be, who you shouldn't be, and here we have this photograph of you, which I love. <laughs> uh, it, it's so adorable. It's that, pretty uh, accurate. It's pretty. Uh, good. What is that? What a beach club?
0: Yeah, it's a Northport Beach Club <laughs> shirt, and I some kind of trucker hat. That's it. Just um, yeah, that captures my essence pretty well. Yeah,
1: well, it's incredible. So, what can you tell us about this little girl?
0: my goodness she um, well at five my my younger brother had just been born so she felt an immense sense of responsibility and pride mm-hmm. ushering a new member of the family in um, there I don't have access to these VHS tapes at the moment but there are videos of my mom sort of documenting my brother's early years and me, singing off to the camera or singing to him. Um, she, she was just so full of excitement and joy and love sitting at the kids table and the grownups table. Um, I got the nickname Chatty Kathy." <laughs> when I was five. <laughs> it was very clear that I was heading toward a, a career path that um, that was gonna involve speaking a lot. But yeah, and and just always smiling. My my grandmother always said I was her little ray of sunshine. I was just always. Do you remember
1: the first time that you sat at the grown ups table?
0: Oh my goodness i I feel like I was sitting at the grown ups table more frequently by the age of seven and holding full court. <laughs> of course, with the grown ups, you know, just invested in their conversations and and. Picking up on the big words they would use, and I don't think I knew what they meant, but I could pronounce them. And uh, I think that that was probably really cute for them to see this little, <laughs> this little human sort of operate as a grown up. Now you mentioned your mom
1: earlier that we're going to celebrate her. Uh, <laughs> your mom was always encouraging with you and your siblings. Uh, when did you realize, or when did you? first have those inclinations that you wanted to go into this crazy world uh, of show business?
0: Oh goodness. Well, I mean, my father was a recording artist It that started his career before I was born. Um, he was discovered at 18 by Don Cornelius from Soul Train. And that was his whole journey. And so for me, it felt as normal as a, a family full of doctors. I mean, there was just so much music in our household and so much early exposure to at least the music industry that it just sort of felt like a no-brainer. Like once our parents realized that we also were musically gifted, um, it it just kind of made sense. I think the curveball was that. No one in my family did theater. And so I always thought that I was going to just have a career in music. Um, and I remember my sophomore year, I did my first musical. And everyone, I sort of came out to my parents as a theater kid. And they, they thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, let's see what this is about. You know, for, for the longest time, I thought I was going to be a pop star. So, um, yeah, I think 15 was probably when when I realized that the theater was something I could do as a, as a lifelong career.
1: Well, I frequently quote Frank Langella on this show because he wrote an incredible uh, book, I highly recommend it, called Name Dropping. <laughs> and in his book, he talks about that first moment when he stepped from the shadows into the light mm-hmm. and he's in front of an audience for the first time. What are your recollections of the first time that you stepped from the darkness into the light?
0: Oh goodness, I was, I think I was eight or nine and I was a part of this after school um, arts program called The Arc and we did everything from visual to performance arts and we had a showcase of sorts and it was the first time that I sang in front of not only my parents but in front of people who weren't my parents or the parents of school kids and i sang Desiree's you got to be um and i it was a very small stage but i just remember to me it felt like i was in madison square garden like it just felt right. humongous to have my my outfit and and my storytelling aspects ready um and i just yeah i i can't get that that image of that girl out of my head who just And that, and you gotta be such a beautiful song, you know, um, and seeing my mom cry in the audience, like the, the first breath, you know, she's just (laughs) done. (laughs) And where did you grow up? So I, I'm an air force brat. I actually, I was born in, um, West Germany in Frankfurt on the U S air force base. We moved to Florida where, um, We spent a significant amount of time, and then we moved out to California for a while. My mom is from New York, from Long Island, so I've spent a fair amount of time on Long Island. Mm -hmm. And I've lived in Texas, Missouri, North Carolina, Michigan, I've I've pretty much hit all of the areas of the United States, except for some reason, the Pacific Northwest still eludes me. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, there's still time.
0: (laughs) There's still time, yes. Uh,
1: So. Moving around like this, uh, and I'm sure that your parents instilled in you a sense of roots, but mm-hmm. did you feel uh, that you developed roots in any of those places that you lived in? Or did you always feel that you were on the move?
0: Yeah, I I became very good at making fast friends. Um, I, if you speak to any... Army or Air Force brats—that's sort of the name of the game. You figure out how how to kind of find your your crowd as quickly as possible because one, you don't know how long you're going to be there, and two, it helps ease the transition of moving. Don't you feel um, like
1: that helps you? Excuse me for interrupting. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the business that we're in, because oh, we, yeah, we live in a career where we don't know from day to day what uh, I know that with some jobs you could be fired tomorrow, right? But this is a different profession uh, and it's not for the faint of
0: heart. (laughs) No, it's not. And I do think that um, one of the things that I felt, one of the skills I felt really strongly about was my ability to connect with people in a very grounded and human way. And I think that when I hit the audition circuit, like I'm doing right now for all of the summer stock shows Um, And all of the Broadway shows that are going up that that sense of ease and making new friends goes with me into the room. And um, after 20 plus years of auditioning, I think that's that's the biggest hurdle for us as we hear no so much. So how do you instead of thinking about the result, how do you just make fans in the room? How do you make friends in the room that that want to come see your cabaret, you know?
1: I love the fact that you say that. I because I feel the same way. I feel that walking into an audition, walking into a performance mm-hmm. uh that I'm there to make friends. Yeah. And uh it, and that's one of the greatest aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, when did you uh feel um that you were uh that you had become a professional in this uh business?
0: Oh um, well, <laughs> I when after my freshman year of college, I had auditioned for Hershey Park, and I was cast in a musical called Nerd's the Musical um, that had a lot of um, Bruce Springsteen songs. It was sort of a ju- uh, jukebox musical. And I remember when we went to do our fitting, they brought us to a Capizio store to to get fitted for all of our different shoes, and then they brought us to a Mac store to get our our makeup palettes that the, we were going to use. I mean, Nickelodeon really like pulled out um, not Nickelodeon, sorry, Hershey Park pulled out the um the the red carpet for us, and I I had never experienced that before that that these producers, I mean, Hershey Park shows, their entertainment shows had been going for decades at this point, And that it really mattered to them down to the, the type of shoe that you wore in act one, scene one, and the type of lipstick you wore in the first act versus the second. And I thought, wow, I am among professionals. These, these yes. are people who really care. And it, that's what made me feel like a professional that I was with other people who put so much care into what they were doing. To me, that's the mark of a professional is people who who put in the effort, the details and and do their best to make other people feel welcome. And I, I will say it was, I mean, Hershey Park and Nickelodeon still to this day are two of my favorite jobs because they really, um, they were just really so wonderful at exemplifying professionalism in our industry. And as, as wonderful as that
1: sounds, it is very simple in the scheme of things. And if yeah. every person who produced took that pay, uh, page from the playbook, everything would be wonderful. I know. Uh, there comes a point in an artist's life where you there's a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's either L.A. or New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be Nashville. It could be uh, Atlanta now. Uh, it could be other places. Um, you chose New York. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose New York above the others?
0: Well, I I chose New York the first time around because I I desperately wanted to go to Tish. I had heard such wonderful things about it. And then and then I I left New York. I, I left in 2012 and chose North Carolina of all places. I sort of just like took myself out of out of the running.
1: Were you in Chapel Hill?
0: Um, I was in Wilmington. Um, oh, I, I'm, I'm originally from Myrtle Beach. Oh my goodness. An hour and a half. Yeah. An yes, hour and yes, half drive. Yes. yes. One of my favorite airports. Um, oh, me too. But yeah, so I, I sort of, there was never really a fork in the road. It It always made sense for me to go to New York. My mom's family was from Long Island. My grandmother took me to Broadway shows starting at 10 years old. So it was always, and I had spent time in LA. I, mm-hmm. I always sort of felt like, um, that I was just a little too East Coast girl for LA. And what's hilarious is all of my siblings live in in California and that's sort of like what they chose. And I chose, I'm the only one who chose New York. Um, but yeah, when I was thinking about, do I go back to New York? I had the same feeling. I just felt like this This city has always been um, so inspiring to me as a performer and has always felt like home. And then, of course, meeting Lenny and my cohort in the competition and Frank and you, I, I thought, oh, well, I'm... I'm screwed now, you know, like there's no way I'm leaving now. I'm not, not so
1: good as a compliment.
0: <laughs> it's a huge compliment. You all are so wonderful. And uh, and it it was the affirmation that this was the correct path.
1: Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, wh- how did you discover the world of cabaret?
0: I I had sort of peripherally experienced it over the years. I actually did a cabaret after the Nickelodeon tour with my friends Paul Flanagan and Christy Schwartzman at Don't Tell Mama in in 2009. And, but we sort of treated it like a showcase. Like we were like, we're off tour and we wanna get jobs. And so it was um, really like a musical theater attempt at cabaret. (laughs) It was beautiful, but it was was, um, just a taste. And then I got the opportunity, David, my director for my cabaret, directed me in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And I got the opportunity to play Billie Holiday in a one-person show that is structured like a cabaret. Yes, like, yes.
1: That,
0: that's how people who saw Billie Holiday perform, especially in the later years, that's you know she would tell stories and sing. And, um, and that was like that was i got bit by that bug like i i i was sort of became obsessed with one person shows and and watching videos of cabaret performers and then when i came back to new york this summer i saw that mama's next big act and i thought well do i do i dare try you know it felt a little bit like trying stand-up comedy i thought do i have what it takes because this is a really a really different art form.' i'll tell you
1: what's interesting about that evening uh, from mm-hmm. my perspective, uh, number one, it's one thing when an audience is coming specifically to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that audience was not there specifically to see you, although there may, may have been people in the audience who were there uh, yeah. just for you. Uh, but to go out and to win the entire audience over on a stage with everyone at the top of their A game Um was it consistent like that through the entire run
0: i i it was very shocking to me that from the first performance i i had stepped into a different version of myself i every night (laughs) frank in particular you know would sort of like by by night two of the competition we had established that Frank and I like to cry. And Frank's like, you know, I haven't cried in so many years. And every time you sing a certain song, it makes me cry.
1: Mm. And
0: um, Frank was like, I, I'm just excited to see what you uh, just bring for next For those me. who
1: don't know, she's talking about Frank Dane. Yes. The, yes. The, uh,
0: yes, Frank Dane, incomparable uh, editor of Cabaret Scenes Magazine, and also a stellar cabaret performer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was sort of like, I don't know, Frank and Lenny were like, what can you bring next week? And so every week I thought, well, I, I've i got to impress Frank and Lenny because we've decided that I have to keep upping the ante. And so it was, um, I was really at that point just in a in a competition with my imagination. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. what, what could I do um, to try something new, to try something different? And I think it was that mentality and that approach that, you know, I didn't have a lot of people of my own in the audience because I was sort of here on my own getting getting reacquainted to the city. So each week I would, I would make new fans, make new friends. Uh,
1: and I wanna ask if the, the show that we are gonna talk about in just a moment, yes. uh, was that already in preparation prior uh, to the competition? Or did this come about as a result of the competition?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I—it's so funny. There, there are aspects of the show that that have been sort of in my book of things I want to create, um, but I didn't really start feeling the reality of it until until we got to the point in the competition where we had to craft fifteen and twenty minute sets, and it was in that process which is so wonderful, by the way, to be in a competition and be able to workshop material is is right. very, yeah, it's very rare. But it was that point where I thought, oh, something is sort of like shaking loose. There's something really interesting here that I want to explore. Um, and I kept very, very diligent notes of each performance of the songs I did and the pattern. Um And so as I started to prepare my show, I thought, wow, I really have a lot (laughs) that's kind of um, kind of ready to be shaped for my solo show.
1: Now, you and I both know we call them solo shows, but Mm -hmm. they're not solo shows. They are not. Team effort. (laughs) And you have uh, your tell us about your director.
0: Yes, um, David Loudermilk is a director that I've worked with for several productions. We did Lady Day at Emerson's Bar & Grill. Um, we first met in Assassins. I was playing the proprietor and David was our choreographer for the show. Um, we did American Idiot together and we've done tons of small cabaret-like performances with Billy Holiday. And at the beginning of the pandemic, David said, let's do a documentary about your experience stepping into Billie Holiday's shoes. And so we produced an hour long documentary about that experience, um, which is available on my YouTube. I realize it's sort of buried there, but I'll have to share it um, post our our conversation. No,
1: uh, just send me the link and I will make sure that everybody sees it. Yes.
0: Uh, But but I
1: think that uh, a good director is not uh, very far behind, is he?
0: No, in fact, he is right behind this camera.
1: (laughs) David, David, come on board. Hi, Richard. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Larisha. Uh, It's so great to uh, meet you. Um, So David, you and Larisha have done several projects together. Um, And so you have a history together. Going into this new project, do you bring your history with you? Or do you try to think of this as a brand new
2: Peace. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think for the both of us, we uh, from the day we first met, we had this instant click. We're both Gemini's, which is very tricky because sometimes four people in
1: the room do oh not God. get
2: along. Yes, there's um, four of us. <laughs> uh, ironically, we were both born in Germany, so there's just like a lot of kismet wow. of things that happened. Um, and I think you always have to keep a part of yourself and like the past and and say why are we telling the stories that we're telling now um is the question that we always ask each other um she started graduate school a year after i started graduate school and so it's kind of like a hand holding of what are you doing well what are you doing um and i just love bouncing off questions with her um i remember when she was in the competition they reached out to me and said, I have to do this. And I said, what what about this and this and this? My favorite um, was the mashup of On a Clear Day in Waterfalls. Um, I brought to the idea I brought to her because I had seen um, Renee Elise Goldsberry um, do on a clear day and she mashed it up with another song. And I started thinking about water and I was like, TLC, like that's our generation. (laughs) Um, And that rap was just so iconic when it came out. And how do we continue to blend these music styles?
1: So what is the work like Liza Minnelli once said that as much as she loves being in front of an audience, it's what happens in the rehearsal studio, uh, that where the magic happens. Um, what is your process like uh, working together?
0: Well, <laughs> <just> to laugh <laughs> because I know exactly what I'm about to say. So David, David arrived a week ago and you know, I the, we have had production meetings with myself and David and Yaz via Zoom where we're sort of talking through music and how we want it to flow. Um, And then usually David arrives and I sort of look at him and go, I don't think I know all of the songs and I'm not memorized on my pattern. I feel just sort of very chaotic. Um, And and David usually says, okay, well get up and let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that is, uh. we did the same with Billy Holiday. I came in and I sort of went, I can't do this. This is insane. And David's like, well, you're going to. So that's where we are. And I think you can speak more to like the actual process.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I also love the rehearsal room. If I could spend every day in the rehearsal room and yeah, like obviously the process isn't, I mean, the product is important because that's what people come to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, just the joy and the, The being like, oh, that didn't work, but we're never going to fully let it go because you never know. I was talking to LaResha and her husband, Christian, the other day, and I was like, I really wish we could go back and find the first iteration of the show and then like follow it to where it is now because, I mean, things get thrown out, they come back. Mm -hmm. You add something, you take something away. It's just, it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, and if if the audience only knew, yesterday when I was in my rehearsal, I I was thinking of that very thing. Mm -hmm. Where this started, the gem of the idea and how it just grows into this, you know, great thing. And LaRace, you're a very grounded person. You're a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much of all of that uh, are you bringing into telling your story in the show?
0: I mean, 100%, I would say. Um, <laughs> we we have our, our, our tarot cards and our... Um, I've got my are, you time. have your tarot cards. Tarot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this
0: is how I knew we were going to be friends. Uh, we are very nearby. <laughs> yes. And yes. um you know, I I recall talking to David when when I thought, wow, you know, I could potentially win this. I said so this whole thing has felt like a journey to the center of myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like David was like that is the title of the show or some part of that. And for me, my, my, and I think maybe we both are in the same place. Our spiritual journeys are, are stripping away back to those five-year-old selves, back to the the true essence of who we were before the world told us who we needed to be or right. who they thought we were. And I want other people to feel that way. And I think that David in their work also wants other people to sort of look at, you know, who, who was I before the world got its hands on me? Um, and I've found that every project I've been doing surrounding this has had an element of, of coming back to yourself and, and not apologizing for who you are. And, um, yeah, so I think this show, there's lots of, laughs and humor too. Um, I'm going to be there next
1: Saturday night. So I oh, I'm so ticket.
0: excited. Um,
1: I got my tickets. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So there is that element of spirituality and, and there's also a, a huge element of, of creation and destruction of destroying and stripping away um what doesn't serve you anymore and, and creating, you know, what does. And some of that comes out in the quotes and ideas from a lot of disaster movies that that sort of (laughs) became like our tangible um, uh, theme for the show was looking at the structure of disaster movies. And, and we say that, you know, our guiding light is Stanley Tucci um, who, is in a delightful disaster movie called the core in which they journey into the center of the earth and um yeah so we're we're mixing that very spiritual grounded aspect and then sort of blowing parts of it up to this very campy genre of of storytelling which is you know what what happens if if the world if your world ends and and what's on the other side of it
1: That's great. Uh, David, you mentioned earlier, if you could, going back and looking at that seed and the journey to where you are right now, um, how much has changed since you both started on this? And how long far back did you begin to work on this particular project?
2: Um, as soon as LaRaysha won, I mean, we actually had started, I helped her a little bit with the Broadway mashup ideas. Um, there's a great app that I love called Marco Polo that I keep in touch with a bunch of my friends via video. And it's just kind of like a video chat that you can watch whenever. And so we would bounce each other ideas back and forth. But, um, it was at some point she said, if I win this competition, I want you to direct, I want you to direct the show. And I said, it would be my honor. Um, it's interesting. I think like we've the most recent iteration, there was one song when we ran it like two or three days ago that I was like, this just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in the place that it it's, it it feels strange and we moved it. And then like, it kind of finally felt like a puzzle. It was like, Mm -hmm. ah, there it is. It Mm -hmm. all fits together. Um, So it's just, it's so fascinating to watch how moving one four minute number changes everything in the show. Yeah.
1: Uh I'm all I, I'm always about celebrating the past and how it got us to where we are. Uh that's what my show is all about tomorrow. Uh but with both of you, uh and LaRatia, you can go first. Um who were the mentors that shaped who you are today? And you mentioned playing Billie Holiday. Um, mm-hmm. how much did you immerse yourself into her world? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I well. see that on your face already. Um, <laughs> And what did you learn about playing uh, such a real person?
0: Yeah, I was fully immersed, for better or worse, in in Billie Holiday. We experienced a lot of um, very similar things, a lot lot of um, similar traumas and struggles. And the more I got to know her, the more I realized how much we had in common um down to our love of different breeds of dogs <laughs> um and i and and even discovering that you know she had mixed ancestry i didn't you know i had sort of never s- seen myself as ever quite fitting um the the way that we're expected to fit in American culture in in race and ethnicity. And so learning those things about her and learning about her philosophy, about how she approaches music, you know, she never sings a song the same way twice. Mm -hmm. If, if you're singing it the same way twice, you're not living and music is about living. And that is very much, I mean, that has that, that's my mantra as a performer is, you know, how, how alive can I be? Um, so she is a really, really big touchstone. And you know, I was just thinking about the team aspect of this. I think um, my my voice coach, Jeremy Ryan Mossman, who was with me through my grad school experience and is now, now still my coach. And David, you know, will give me a note. There's something happening here on when you're saying this word, and I'll go back to Jeremy and go, okay, technically, how can I, what can I do to work through this? So I think about mentors, you know, as either teaching me something posthumously, like Billy Holiday, or continually being in conversation with me about about my practice and 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 again, it's it's a collaborative effort. Sure, when the show happens, you know, I'm front and center and sometimes left and right of center. Um, but it's not just me. I carry all of the the pieces of people that have had an influence on me over the years and um and i i do think i carry a lot of billy with me always
1: that's great what a great response uh same question david uh the mentors who have shaped you in terms of the work that you're doing and are you uh an entertainer yourself I
2: I yes um, I was a professional dancer um, started out as a dancer and then went to a performing arts high school um, shout out to my first drama teacher uh, Jackie Kilduff Jacqueline Kilduff um, she was the one that instilled in me the love of knowing everything about the theater um, not just what you yourself are doing and how you can learn so much from all of the other aspects and how you bring them into your journey. Um, Uh, had a great both undergraduate and graduate school opportunities um, with wonderful mentors. For me, it's just, um, Seeing as much theater, I remember telling my mom once. She was like, "I don't understand why you see so much theater because sometimes, you know, it's a little it's a little hard on the pocketbook." (laughs)
1: Uh, Um, But uh, for me, you can never see too much theater, in my opinion. Me either.
2: (laughs) Um, But it's like for me, I always walk out of there. And one of my friends asked me once when I was talking about something. They were like, "You always critique it," and I'm like, "Yes." And then I said let me stop and say, these are the things I enjoyed about the show 100%. But we as performers and artists are always going to have um, what is looked at as a critical eye. But I think yeah. it's just saying like what spoke to you and what didn't speak mm-hmm. to you um, or what you would have done differently. And then that's the beauty of theater is saying, I'm going to take all of this knowledge that I had and put it into the
1: show that I'm working on at the time. Mm-hmm. And did you get a chance to go to Mama's Next Big Act uh, and- You didn't go to any of them?
2: I did not. I was, unfortunately, um, at the time, I think I was working. um, You were doing
0: some contract.
2: Yeah, I was doing a contract. And then, um, but I was very much in touch with and Like, after
0: every show. Watching
2: every video (laughs) as soon as it got posted. And then I remember, like, I think it was... Uh, midnight or something. I was laying in bed and I happened to open Instagram and I hadn't heard from them yet. And I saw the Instagram video and I was like, well,
1: there it is. Congratulations. <laughs> I better get to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's great. And uh, are, how do you feel about where you are right now? I mean, you're at this uh, little bridge between yeah. winning the competition and now it's happening.
0: Yeah, um, I I have really been pinching myself every day. I mean, to get to work with one of my best friends um, and have him staying with us. Oh, that's um, good. Which is which is really lovely. We we don't get to see each other a lot, and and they are quite a lot of fun to be around. Um, and just seeing the growth of of the show, and and I've got some guests coming in and getting to hear them sing. I really. I think about myself, even five years ago, I I wouldn't have believed that I would have this type of opportunity. And so I'm just trying to drink in every moment. You know, it is, it's not lost on me when I get to go to don't tell mama in the daytime to go stage the show with David, that, that, that the people who have graced that stage are, are people that, I look up to, you know, I mean, Jason Robert Brown, Billy Porter, Jennifer Lewis, I mean, really, and I'm I'm in that room, just sort of soaking up all of, all of their energy that they have, that they have christened that room. You're in the
1: large room, am I right? Yeah,
0: we're in the original room. That's
1: the room that I made my debut in Cabaret in, as well, so.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness, and you're, and you're in there as well, you know, I mean, there's just so much history, um. Yeah, so I, I'm just enjoying every moment. And and of course, we're like in the in the crunch time of the show. It's in really good shape. David says I have to be off book today. So we'll see how that we goes. We got a rehearsal
1: later today.
0: Yes, we we have several. We're running the show a few times today, and then we have a band rehearsal later this evening. And 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 we've really um yeah, we've really thrown in quite a lot of rehearsals that it it feels like we're staging a Broadway musical.
1: Oh. <laughs> No, again, I just love that. I want to ask each of you, Loretia, your husband is Christian? Yes. Is he
0: in the business as well? He's a writer. Um, He he would never admit it, but he also is a fabulous um, folk singer, songwriter. Um, He's a North Carolina boy, so he has that folk music down. Is he from Wilmington? He's from Salisbury, North okay. Carolina. I know where that is. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, uh, he's an exceptional writer. we He actually was in American Idiot. Um, I played What's-Her-Name, and he played Will, the the stoner guitar player. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's also an excellent chef,
1: I have to say. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, David, you must be enjoying that. I am. Very <laughs> <Yeah>. much so. <laughs> so, and David, your partner uh, in the business? Um, I don't have a partner right now. I'm
0: single.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When she said, uh, you know, I enjoy having them around, I thought that somebody was with you. So that's why I asked that question.
0: Oh,
1: no. Oh, okay. So I want to have a little fun with both of you um, uh, because I want to talk about the creative process. And I've got some questions laid out that I'm going to ask each of you uh, based on my readings. Uh, I read a lot of books on creativity uh, throughout the week. But before I do, as I did with LaRatia, David, there are five mystery cards laid out. Okay. So pull a number of one through five.
2: Uh three.
1: And your question is, what's getting in the way of you being exactly who you want to be?
2: Who myself? <laughs> That's the right answer. As your boss says, we are our own worst saboteur, right?
1: That's right.
2: Yes. So <laughs> that is
1: the perfect answer. Yeah, yes. myself
2: and fear both, but I think their fear is in yourself. So like just putting it aside and, and just doing the damn thing. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) (laughs) I've heard, I've
1: had worse. So, uh, so these questions are based on my readings this week. And, uh, and Laresha, I'm going to start with you. Describe Mm -hmm. your show in 10 words or less. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Let me do this. Stanley Tucci fan club. Belting, crying, laughing, spiritual, existential,
1: warmth. Perfect. Wow. Um, David, what (laughs) scares you the most about this profession? Where we are and where we're going?
2: Uh. I'm going to be bl- I'm going to be blunt and honest for a second. Okay. Um I thought we were going to learn more from the pandemic and we said we were going to learn more from the pandemic and then we went right back to where we were. Um Amen. and Amen. I, I think for me like the number of people that I hear every day question why they're in this industry and I I mean I do it myself. I think we all do. Um but just the respect for the arts and the understanding And the love for the arts. And why is it always the thing that's being cut? Educators, teachers that are doing the thing, because I did it, I taught at a college for two years um, before like this September. And it just, everyone says they love the arts, but when it comes to putting the money where the mouth is, where's it at?
1: Absolutely. One of my favorite writers, and this is very controversial, (laughs) is Gore Vidal. And one of my favorite quotes from Gore Vidal is, this is the United States of amnesia. People forget where we've been, and we keep repeating the same things over and over again. And when you talk about the arts, it's very interesting. Arts funding is the very first budget cut on every budget across the country. And it's the one thing that nurtures our souls. Yeah. 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 So amazing. Yeah. Um so Laurentia, what is something that has made you the proudest working on this show beyond working with David?
0: I I am really proud of how I'm just committed to doing things that make me feel joy. Mm-hmm. And to putting patter the show that i think is funny i've sort of like let go and and am letting go of um will they like it will they like me you know i'm i'm really just having fun Mm -hmm. and um that is a huge win for me to not be so concerned about what other people think but to there's there's a couple of jokes in there that i'm just really pleased with personally. And if I'm the only one that laughs, I will still be pleased.
1: <laughs> uh, David, what is the best thing that you've read this week?
2: Oh, Ooh. Um, I am currently, I'm bouncing between because my creative brain and my Gemini brain can never stick to one thing. Um, I'm audio booking Michelle Obama's becoming right now. Um, I've also, I, uh, Larisha and I are working on a little project I don't know if we should talk about it. Yeah. Oh, um, I want a scoop. Come on. Yeah, you get a
0: scoop. You get a scoop. And
2: shout out to the internet worldwide webs. If anyone has any connections, um, there's never been a musical about Shirley Bassey. Um, and Shirley Bassey is this incredible like artist.
1: Um, and I, Have I, you ever not, seen her live? No, I have not. I Five would. times. Stop it. Oh, Five Stop times. It. I am such a Shirley Bassey fan. You have to be
0: on our dramaturgy team then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love Shirley Bassey. Yeah, she's fascinating. I
2: just found out that, like, her daughter um, was, according to Shirley, was killed, like, found in a river, and she swears that it was not suicide and it was not an accident. And, like, that was the starting point of I was like, why is this not a musical?
0: Yeah.
2: Like, it needs to be. and,
0: And also, again, we, I mean, Shirley comes from mixed ancestry. You know, she has one parent who's Nigerian and one parent who's English. And it's rare for people who look like me or who have mixed backgrounds to find, you know, I mean, she has had an immense impact on our industry from music to cabaret to theater. And... Yeah. And, and surely, if you're listening, we're ready to write your story. I, the,
1: the, she's the one that got away. I, the one yeah. interview that I would love to have. Oh. And you know, it's interesting. I performed years ago at Trump's Taj Mahal in oh, yeah. Atlantic City. <gasps> and uh, there's a YouTube video of, that she did about a tour that she's done. Uh, it's a documentary. And oh. I don't know if you've seen it or not. And if you okay. haven't, I'll find it for both of you. Oh, thank okay. you. But at one point, she's going to perform at the Taj Mahal. Wow. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I fell off of my seat because we had the same dressing room. And I went, ah! Oh, my God. Guy <laughs> I only really know that's my connection. But I am a huge huge fan, and I will definitely be there. Yes. So, Loratia, what did you... Um, procrastinate on this week
0: oh you know (laughs) just memorizing some some new patter uh that's probably the thing that I always procrastinate on um no I mean at, at the end of the day I'm I work pretty diligently but anytime I'm still trying to work out a puzzle of of how I'm approaching a song or how I'm saying something I have this weird sort of like uh, hesitation where my mind is like, I don't know, let's think about it for a minute and then we'll get up and do it today and it'll it'll come out the way it's supposed to I think.
1: It will, I know it will <laughs> uh, So David uh, name one thing worth sharing from this past week
0: mm-hmm.
2: huh. There's so many How many shows did you see this week? <laughs> Just two. Oh, okay. Just okay. two. Well, what did you see? I saw uh, *Spamalot* and um, *Night of the Iguana*.
1: Oh, uh, well, they're essentially the same story. <laughs> totally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, Jerry. So, uh, what is your takeaway from each? Um,
2: *Spamalot* just the the energy and joy that the performers were having on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, *Night of the Iguana*, I came home and I just said. I I don't think I love that show as much as I love Cat and Glass and Mm -hmm. uh, Streetcar and all of the others. For me, it was just no disrespect to the performers. They were wonderful. All of the actors on stage were giving like a incredible performance. But to me right now, I just really struggled getting into that
1: story. And I, I think for me, what I've been doing is going do back. Not, to- if I may interrupt, do you think it's the subject matter? Because mm. you are absolutely right when you say it is not considered when they think of the canon of like the top, I would not put it in the top five.
2: Oh no, yeah. no, not at all. I do think it's the subject matter, but I also think there's something about his writing that's a little bit different mm. in this. Um, yeah. And I remember right before I left New York, I lived in New York in 2002 12. Um, I saw in Masks Outrageous and Austere, it was done down in um, the village somewhere. Mm-hmm. And just remembered going into that. And while that had a very different feel, and bless Williams, he was definitely on something at the end of his life when he wrote that. Um, it still felt more Williams than mm-hmm. Night of the Iguana did. Mm-hmm. And those are just all the things that have been bouncing around in my head
1: right now. It's like, what, why did I struggle so hard to connect to that show? Wow. Uh, great input. Um, so Rachel, what is going on in the world right now? And this is an open question. <laughs> what you feel is really worth fighting for right now.
0: Yeah, I, um, there are a lot of things that I feel are worth fighting for. I will just sort of like blanket statement that in 2024, I would love for humanity to move away from um, using other human beings as shields or props in their agendas. Um, I would love to see us here at home tackle homelessness with more care and more um, diligence. When I talk about being able to make friends with anyone, I met this lovely man named Mike and his one-and-a-half-year-old puppy named General. And we had a long conversation about what it's like to be living on the streets and living outside in New York. And he's he was struggling with frostbite, his first time ever as an unhoused person dealing with frostbite. And he said on the coldest night in New York that the policemen took his tent away. And I oh God. will, and, and again, coming from a, a family with a military background, I have a lot of respect for the men and women and human beings in uniform. And also there has to be a better way. There is no reason why any person with all of the advances we have made should be homeless, hungry, or struggling to put food on their table and take care of themselves and their loved ones. And so I will fight for that in whatever way I can, even if it's at my cabaret having a moment and a song to speak about how I wish that everyone would know how it feels to be free.
1: Absolutely. You know, last night we, we were out with a friend, uh, Leroy Reams, who's in the show tomorrow. And uh, we were in the car, and he said, You know, you can change, you can go around a block, and it's like being in a different country. Yeah. Um, there's such wealth in the city, and there's such poverty. And they're on the opposite side of the street. Yeah. And you see it. You see homeless people. I'm, I'm weeping now. I know, um, me too. <laughs> and, and you see homeless people in front of five-star restaurants. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's it, it's mind-boggling to me. And mm-hmm. the people who walk past them with yeah. blinders on to what's going on. And I
0: asked, I asked Mike, I said, you know, I, I shared some food that I had with him and he said he was going to give it to his dog General and I said well I I see you a lot on the train if I see you again you know I'll try to bring some food and he said honestly if you just say hi to me that fills me up for the day that he's so tired of being ignored and um that I don't I don't want anyone to feel ignored and so when I see him again I will say hi and I'll bring treats and for his pup and you know And, and the he, interesting he thing play. is
1: you don't really know his history. You don't know right. what happened, what right. what snapped or changed that yeah. got him there. And,
0: and so many and so many are veterans of this country that have served and fought for this country. My my mother is a disabled veteran and um and David your father is um uh, may he rest in peace as a veteran and so my I, I well, yeah I just um I just feel like we can do better I do believe that we can that we can do better and um, and that that's my that's my life's mission I guess uh, is to figure that out I don't
1: know if you've ever been to the actors home in Inglewood uh, mm-hmm. they would love you by the way uh, oh. if you go know there and perform uh, for them yes. but I you know I've had several friends that have ended up in the actors home so mm-hmm. Uh, I have gone to see, and there are people sitting in wheelchairs in corners, uh, in chairs, and these people are completely forgotten, mm-hmm. and there are people that we loved and worshipped and saw in Broadway shows, in yeah. movies, in television. Um, the misperception that people have, because yeah. of the media mostly, uh, a lot of people in this business don't make a lot of money yeah and uh and when you i mean um uh when you reach a point where you start to make money then you've got a publicist an agent and a manager and all of these other expenses and a lot of these artists end up with absolutely nothing yeah and uh it's you know and there but for you go i is (laughs) my mantra um i want to ask each of you we got a few minutes left um uh, Lorecia, what do you think audiences uh, see in you?
0: Goodness, I I often feel like, and I'm told that it's it's like meeting a very old friend. Um, and I think that that is part of my upbringing and who I am and how I and how I exist in the world. Um, and and I also, you know, Camille, goodness is like, I would watch you sing the phone book, and so I also think that there is, I guess, something about my voice that is, um, that is delightful to hear. I think, you know, well, so- I would,
1: I would second that, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And David, uh, same question for you: uh, What do you th- see? Think that audiences see in the work that you do?
0: Um,
2: I would hope um stories that cause you to think that ask why why are we doing the show i mean that's how i go into every show um and and how can we be better as humanity um those are the two things that i hope even in in, in the biggest comedy like a spam a lot like i hope you can somehow walk away with a little bit of something saying like how can we do
1: better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you made my life better, both of you. So I want to thank you both for being here. Uh, you this hour has flown for me. I've had a great time. Um, but don't go anywhere. I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your final word for today. It thank could be you. about anything that we spoke about uh, that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, uh, or just any final message you want to leave for everyone watching. Um, I want to tell everyone that's watching the show, whether you're watching it live, uh, or later, uh, join me, uh, reach out to me, and let's make a party of this. And uh, join me next uh, Saturday night at Don't Tell Mama at seven o'clock, I'm gonna be there, and I can't wait. Um, also, uh, I, my hope, uh, it, you can elevate this video by doing one of three things. Leave a comment on YouTube, share this on YouTube, or subscribe to my channel on YouTube because the analytics shows that I got subscribers through this show. So that really helps raise this in terms of how it shows up in the search engines. Mm -hmm. Um, I end all my shows with the same message and it's not just lip service. Um, Go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Uh, After today's show, and Laresha, I know you and David are both busy but at some point today, I want you to do the same thing. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the sixth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know the impact that they've made on your life. And by doing so, you're going to make an impact on their life. Uh, I have a dear friend, Sean Monager, and he always says, we're all in the same storm but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on as long as you have a skipper by your side. <laughs> I'm gonna leave the screen. Each of you have your final moment. And then when you say goodbye, um, I've got a little surprise for everybody that we'll end with. And uh, thank you both for being here. Thank it's you. all yours.
0: Can I go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, Here is a thought experiment. If you cast or are a part of production uh, side of Broadway, off-Broadway theater, the next time you're outside, I would like for you to look 20 feet in either direction and look at the people and what they look like, and then ask yourself if that's reflected in the casting and in the productions that you do. That's beautiful. Mm
2: I think also on on top of that, in our industry, just uplifting some people who may not have had opportunities, um, and that's one thing I love about our relationship is just the continuous continuation of saying we're going to do this next project together and this next project together, and finding people and saying I'm going to help and mentor you. Mm-hmm. So find somebody out there today and help and just mentor them. I love that.